0: All right. Well, it's good to be here together. I've really enjoyed this weekend, and there's more in store for you on our Hymnoscope weekend. The uh, tagline: uh, uh, a new look at hymns of old. As really, uh, it's been a neat experience. Not just a. Uh, I guess a multi-generational experience where you have, you know, you're accommodating different generations, but truly an intergenerational experience where we take, you know, hymns of old and we have our young arts academy being engaged uh, in in elements of the service that you're gonna see here in just a little bit. And I I just love the way in which we're able to honor the old in with the new. And in some ways, that's gonna play into what we're talking about today. Uh, Because the question we're gonna look at today is what happens when, rather than honoring, maybe you could say, the things of old, uh, that we maybe in other contexts of life maybe make the mistake, you could say, of reverting back to things of old, Uh, you know, maybe kind of reclusing back or maybe going back to things that are familiar. Maybe it's a particular uh, vice or sin or some sort of uh, familiarity that isn't best for us at the absence of moving forward in faith in God in some of those spaces. And so that's what we're going to look at here today in the book of Hebrews, which I'll invite you to turn into in a a Bible wherever you're at, uh, whether here in the West, the East Auditorium, those worshiping in Lovington as well as online. Uh, If you can find Hebrews 7 in a Bible, uh, that's where we're going to be looking. As uh, we've been in this series looking at what Jesus is who Jesus is as revealed in the book of Hebrews, uh, which is a unique book. It was written uh, to a group of Jewish Christians. It was it was a letter written to a group of Jewish Christians who about 30 years after Jesus' ministry were under uh, some persecution. And so they're Jewish Christians in the sense that they were Jews, but they saw Jesus as the long way to Messiah. They received Jesus Christ, but under this persecution between 60 and 70 AD um, from the Roman government. Uh, so they got kind of the the government coming in, but also their former group, the Jews putting pressure on them as well. And so their temptation, uh, rather than to move forward in faith, uh, was they were being tempted to kind of revert back to the things of Judaism, uh, to kind of slink back in fear uh, to some of the old ways, uh, even though uh, those weren't better or best for them. And so the writer of Hebrews is taking on that temptation head on, saying, "Hey, Don't revert back out of fear, uh, but move forward in. Faith. And so the things that Hebrews will say over and over is that for the temptation for those Jewish Christians was, hey, uh, don't go back to the old ways of looking to angels or uh, to to Moses as your leader. Jesus is better than Moses. Uh, He goes on that Jesus is better than the written law because Jesus is going to write his word, his law in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, Jesus is better than the temple system and the tabernacle system. Jesus is better and best. And so really that's the message for us, to always be mindful that we, when we get in difficult situations, when the pressure comes, that we have a default to want to slink back to things that are familiar, uh, even if they're not best for us, um, instead of moving forward in faith in the only one who is better, best, and right, and that is Jesus Christ, who is our connection to God, okay? Okay? And so today specifically, we're going to examine where the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is better than Aaron. Uh, and Aaron, he was a character, a uh, person in the Old Testament who would have been the lead priest under Moses' leadership. And we looked a little bit under, at uh, Moses last week. And so uh, Aaron as a priest, or frankly... You could look at it as any priest in the Old Testament. The role of a priest in the Old Testament times was, you could say, a mediator uh, between people and God, almost like an ambassador to this connection point that, that served to connect the people of God to God, he he was like this bridge, and uh, the way in which the priest would build that bridge between God and the people in the Old Testament would be through uh, like sacrifices, animal sacrifices, blood sacrifices uh, to cover sin, to make it possible for people to be connected to God without sin being a barrier uh, in that. And so. Again, these Jewish Christians, they're tempted by this pressure from the Jews and the Romans to just kind of go back and slink back into the Jewish priestly system as kind of this safe place that they knew to connect to God. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, Time out. Time out. Don't, don't go back because Jesus is better than all of that. Uh, Jesus, in fact, is, you could say, the total package we're going to see here in our passage when it comes to how we can be successfully connected to God, both in this life and, frankly, the next. So I'm going to invite you to follow with me in Hebrews chapter 7, where we learn how Jesus is better than all of that. And so he begins with his argument in verse 24, already saying he's better than Aaron, Jesus is better than the priest. He says, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, a permanent connection to God. He says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them, for us. And so basically the writer's saying, hey, instead of some earthbound human temporary priest who can only pray or intercede on particular people's behalf at a particular time and place, Jesus, he is interceding, he is uh, on your behalf all the time for all of us, seated at the right hand of God, as it says in Romans 8, having God's ear on our behalf, that Jesus is interceding uh, for us, for our needs all the time and in all things. And so it goes on to kind of speak to this attributes of Jesus, verse 26. It says, such a high priest truly meets our needs. It meets the needs that we have because he is one who is holy, blameless, pure. He is set apart from sinners because Jesus never sinned. He is exalted above the heavens. And unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, because he has none, and then for the sins of Of the people and so here's where the writer brings it all together he says he meaning jesus he sacrificed for their sins for our sins once he did it once on the cross and for all when he offered himself and that's what we celebrate in communion that jesus died for our sins once and for all when he offered himself And so we see clearly that Jesus is far superior. Uh, He is the perfect priest. He is a better priest. He is a better connection to God because he doesn't, you could say, just offer sacrifices on our behalf. He actually is the sacrifice on our behalf uh, for the forgiveness of sin and an eternal connection to the God of the universe. And so pretty quickly, we see that the writer of Hebrews makes a pretty compelling case that Jesus is better than any Jewish priesthood system that we might be tempted to lean into. Now, as amazing as that is, and even as I say that, here's what I recognize. No one called the church last week to need to talk to a pastor to say, you know, pastor, it's been a hard week. All week, I've been tempted and struggling with going to a Jewish priest to connect me to God. You know, we were, you know, that was supposed to be funny, I don't know, I guess it's not, but <laughs> as I'm reading this, I just realized that there's this challenge that Hebrews, in lots of ways, isn't really answering a question that if we're honest, a whole lot of us are asking. This, no, I mean, no one walked in today uh, in church hoping that this is what we're gonna, You know, the struggle for you, that you're gonna solve this Jewish priest problem that you have. And so, <laughs> what thank you, Lori. <laughs> She works at the church, so she has to laugh at my jokes. Um, And so what do we do with this? How does this apply to us? And so recognize that even though we might not be tempted to revert back to a Jewish priesthood system as our kind of lead on life or our connection to God, make no mistake, make no mistake, that like the people in Hebrews, we too are tempted. We too are tempted, you could say, to lean into uh, other You know, pursuits and people and places as the lead on our lives, as our connection to God and what we're up to in all kinds of pursuits other than Jesus Christ. For example, how often, when it comes to a need or some direction, will we Google? or scour the web for what others might have to say on a particular subject or topic, or maybe we'll buy books, we even pay a bunch of money to go to seminars for someone to tell us how to lead our lives. Um, Maybe more often than not, just kind of our default without kind of even thinking about it subconsciously, if we're honest, we just, a lot of times when it comes to directing our lives, we just kind of look to ourselves, We'll lean on our own experiences, our own insights, our own instincts. Uh, We'll lean on our own understanding for how to lead our lives, even though the scriptures caution, warn, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, lean not on your own understanding, the word of God says. It says, but trust in the Lord with all of your heart and in all of your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. He will lead your life. And then even beyond, even that specific instance understanding, I would argue that for the most part, we are in a constant state of, I would just say passively, generically taking on others' understandings and thoughts and opinions as to how we lead our life, even if we don't intend to, by the simple act of just responding to or giving our attention to whatever ping, ding, or feed is latest and loudest how much we will take into our minds and our hearts, just, say I'm getting texts right now, distract me, I'm trying to preach, don't text me. And I just look at it, and just this act right here, just scrolling through feeds of people's ideas and understandings of what it is that we should be doing with our lives. It's interesting, the most uh, recent market watch study has that the average American is staring at some type of screen throughout their day, on average, of 11 hours and six minutes per day. That's a, I mean, hardly awake that much, let alone to look at screens. And then with that, the, the market share is being increased each year exponentially by these screens, by applications on phones and tablets now at three hours and six minutes on the average per day. Three hours and six minutes of this. I've been doing it for six seconds and you can hardly tolerate it. Three hours and six minutes on the average. And So wherever you're at, maybe a little above, a little below, none of us can deny the impact that these little, they're not even phones, they computers in our pockets, have on our lives. The intake that is just feeding our minds and our hearts for better or for worse. And Jesus warns, Luke 6.45, that out of the overflow of what goes into your heart will come out come out of your mouth, it'll come out of your life, it'll be leading you, again, for better or for worse. And so we recognize, we, are, we might not be tempted by a Jewish priesthood system, but we are tempted to connect to our source of what's leading our lives into all kinds of sources other than Jesus Christ. But Jesus warns as well. John 14, 6, he says of himself, Jesus says, hey, remember, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father, and so we'll come back to this priesthood idea, no one comes to, no one connects to God except through me. It's, it's really an example of what we sang uh, in that, what we understand is the oldest hymn we have on record in the 700s, old Irish hymn, Be Thou My Vision, that what was true 2,000 years ago for the Hebrews, 700 years later for the Irish, and now 2,000 years later for us, that we want God to be thou my vision, to You be my vision, God, O Lord of my heart. Or that kind of confusing tongue twister. Not be all else to me. That's just kind of a tongue twister way of saying basically nothing else be worth anything to me save or except thou art. Nothing be worth anything to me except, number one, you, God. And so be, it goes on, my wisdom, be my father, be my dwelling, be first in my heart, be thou my vision, be my ruler of all. That if Jesus Christ is the leader of our lives, then that song, that hymn, that's exactly what we're after. That he would be our vision, our understanding, our wisdom in everything we do. And so... The challenge we then naturally face is how do we do that? How do we actually keep in front of our vision the Lord's vision for what He has in the leading of our lives? How do we keep Jesus as the actual way, the truth, and the life that we're trying to lead? How do we keep uh, His understanding ahead of our own understanding or the whims of others' understanding? Well, might I suggest um, that, you know, there's kind of an old phrase that, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm sure we could spend some time talking about how we should put these things down, and that's an appropriate conversation. Uh, But instead of trying to maybe beat the reality that these are a part of our lives intricately, uh, what if we joined them? What if we, instead of letting this just be merely a distraction in our lives, what if we were able to leverage these little devices to be, you could say, instead of a distraction, actually a directive toward the things of God? How could we repurpose this little device to not just be a distraction throughout our day, but actually be a directive toward the things of God? I'll tell you how I've tried to do this in my own life. Um, for me, my, my three hours and six minutes, my feed du jour, if you are my soup of the day, my, my feed of the day, actually isn't a social media one. That, that doesn't interest me a whole lot, but I do have this weird uh, little tendency to click on uh, my task management application, my, my to-do list, um, and so it sits very prominently in the bottom right corner of my phone, the, you know, the most popular position, uh, and so throughout the day, I will constantly and consistently look at my list of things that I have to do and scroll them. And even if I know what I need to do or want to do or have my list, it's, I just can't, it's, just, it's a habit. I habitually click on that and scroll through what I have to do. In fact, case in point, um, when my wife Jessica and I are kind of sitting on the couch at night, you know, trying to get our 11 hours and six minutes in for the day uh, of our screen time, it's, it's hard work, but we're committed to getting our 11 hours plus in. Uh, she'll look over and she'll see me playing on my little to-do list after scrolling through and she'll look over and she'll be like, Is that fun for you? Like, do you find that relaxing? To which I respond, I don't know. It's just a habit. It's just a habit. And so, what I've tried to do to turn this distraction into a directive towards God is my routine is each morning I have my little Bible reading plan that's on my little U Version Bible app which is uh, something on this as well and uh, it's not extensive I, it's a chapter a day um, five days a week with two days off in case you miss one it's not too bad so what I'll do on that chapter a day is I will read and just pray through that and say okay God whatever it is you want to draw out for me for this day please reveal that to me and so I'll take like a verse or a thought from that and what I'll do is I'll put it in the very first spot on my to-do list and so and where it'll stay all day and so every time I habitually open up those lists of things I think I need to do, I start first with what God has for me uh, from what I, you could say what he wants to do in my life. And so that has been um, a very helpful way in which I've turned this distraction into a directive towards God that every time I open that app, the very first thing I see is what God has for me. And so maybe for you, a to-do list isn't your temptation, and I get that. Uh, but you could you could use that same Bible application, for, and if you want, if you don't have the Bible app, the Uversion Bible app, the easiest way to get it, um, I would say, is go to slash bible on your little browser on any platform, and it'll automatically take you to that app, and you can download it. And what I like particularly about that, if you have like no Bible reading happening in your life, you're like, yeah, I need to do something. I'm not really sure where to start. It's a pretty thick book and it's pretty, you know. Um, What it provides each day on the home screen is what's called a verse of the day. You kind of see it on this little media thing uh, beside me. Uh, And so that verse of the day, every day, it's a different verse and they even have like little images. And so what I would recommend, if you have zero minutes a day, you don't have to go do 30 minutes a day. How about like, 30 seconds a day, and you take that verse of the day, save that image, and make it your desktop, for lack of a better term, your screen background on on your phone. And I started doing that as well, and I found that very helpful. Today's verse of the day. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And then it goes on, and his righteousness and all the other things of life will be added to you. Good reminder, every time I flip open this phone. And so, we want God to be at the forefront. We want Him to be our vision. We want Him to be leading our lives. But the only way we're going to do that, the only way we're going to make Psalm one nineteen, where it says, "I know I've hidden Your word in my heart, so I might not sin against You," or is it going to say later in Hebrews that you know the word was written, uh, you know, in stones and tablets? But now through the power of the Holy Spirit that came after Jesus, we have the word written on our hearts. It's going to say in Hebrews ten a little later in this book, is to actually have that word in our vision, in our eyes, in our hearts, in our minds, so that it can be reoccurringly coming back to us, so it is actually written in our hearts. I like to think of this as a modern-day application of what the 17th-century monk, uh, Brother Lawrence, calls practicing the presence. Practicing the presence, this understanding that, that we have to habitualize, we have to put within our within our DNA, our routines, an actual practicing of the presence of God in the fabric of our lives. This is how it played out for him. He was, uh, he was in the French military, but due to an injury, was forced into early retirement and decided to become a monk. And so even though he was along further in years in life, he was, had to take an entry-level position in the monastery. So he was relegated to you know, kind of the, the menial tasks of cooking and cleaning and just basically whatever bidding of the superiors uh, would have for him. And so he writes of his experience this way. He says that the love of God... His love for God made every seemingly menial task, get this, an opportunity for worship. Colossians 3 says, do everything as unto the Lord as worship. And so he says, together, he and God cooked meals. We ran errands. He and God, they scrubbed pots and they endured the scorn of the world. And so later, to apply this for us, he writes it this way, he says, you know, men, they invent means and methods of coming at God's love. But he argues, is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of him? To just do the things that we already have in the routine and the rhythms of our life to to offer that as worship and a way to focus on God as we're kind of suggesting with the phones? He goes on, he says, we can do little things for God, for him, he says, I turn the cake that is in the frying pan for the love of him as a cook, He's, he says, and that done, if there's nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship before him. He lays on the ground and worship before God who has given me the grace to work. Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. Simple, simple connecting to God in the simple acts that he had in his day-to-day lives. And so for him, it was flipping pancakes in a frying pan, uh, but for us, maybe it's every time we flip on that phone, It's an opportunity to take the simple menial task of our day and offer it wholly for the love of God. And so, maybe for you, you know, you're listening to this thing, like, that is not the avenue for me. I get that. Um, But the point is, how do you get God's word as the vision in front of you so you make sure that we're not reclusing back into things of old that are familiar but out of fear and moving forward in faith in Jesus Christ and his word for us? We've got to get the word and God in front of us on a regular basis. And so maybe for you, it's not this. Maybe for you, it's a stack of index cards and a new index card every day that just goes in your pocket. And every time you reach in there, there it is. Uh, Maybe it's a sticky note that goes on your computer, a fresh sticky note each day with with what God's word has for you that day or um, maybe something on your desk, whatever. The the medium is not the point. The point is whatever it will take, to make sure that we can actually functionally make rather than the understandings of our own or the understanding of whatever someone wants to throw our way on a feed, that we make sure that we lean on God's understanding, that he's making our path straight, that he is the way, the truth, and the life because we're leaning into the life that he's given us in his word by the power of Jesus Christ. And so with that, let me pray for us um, and then uh, we'll continue to worship him for who he is. Heavenly Father, Uh, We are thankful for the way in which you have shown us in the book of Hebrews, through our worship today, uh, how the old and the new can rightly come together. And so, Father, we ask that as we move forward into new days, you know, tomorrow's Monday and it's gonna hit us like any other Monday, that it would be a different kind of Monday, that we'd take this word this um, that is dated, yes, but absolutely relevant uh, to today and everything, that your word is useful for teaching and correcting us and showing us the way we are to live, as it says in Timothy. And so, God, Revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit the means in which we're going to make that happen, whether a phone or a card or some other way. God, that keeps your word before us so that you truly are our vision, O ruler of all. And so may it be in the name of Jesus. Amen.